I try to stare towards the uh, towards the camera a little bit, so I don't look so weird. There we go. This is off to a great start. Hey, everybody! It's Rob National Fire Radio, the Gospel. I am excited this morning to interview somebody who I've known for a year and a day. Just kidding. Uh, so I've actually got my good friend uh, Christopher Morbido, retired United States Army EOD tech, currently works for the. United States Army as with DOD as a civilian. Is that the right way to say it, Chris? Yeah, I'm a Department of the Army civilian. So, um, which means he doesn't have to sweep the parking lot or mop the mop the lake or anything, any of that stupid stuff the Army used to make you do. But um, I get fat, throw facial hair. Right, right. And have that <laughs> awesome T-shirt on. Yeah, party cats. <laughs> so uh, one of the things is, you know, for those who are listening, Chris and I used to work together for a company called Alamo EMS. Uh, he was my old paramedic partner. It's where our friendship began some 20 plus years ago. Yeah. Um, and he hasn't been able to get rid of me and I haven't been able to get rid of him. <laughs> so it's been, a, it's been an interesting friendship. But out of that time, Chris went from being a paramedic to um, also, just uh, trying to get this out of here, um, to also, Going back, you were in the United States Navy for a, a, a little bit, and then you re-enlisted back into the United States Army, and you became an explosive ordnance disposal technician, um, in which you lied to me and told me that it would never be dangerous uh, <laughs> the whole time. Um, but it gave you it gave you a uh, very specific skill set. I feel like I'm Liam Nielsen here in Taken. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, is somebody going to be hiding under the bed that I'm going to? Yeah. <laughs> More than them, they're going to get taken. For right, right. Um, but you, you know, I mean, kind of, kind of tell the audience what what being an explosive ordnance disposal technician is for those who don't know what EOD does. Uh, okay, well, um, it's the the concept behind it is to be able to mitigate everything that is an explosive hazard. Um, so that includes um, you know any ordnance uh, of any type, and for those of you that want a more clear definition of ordinance uh, that, that goes anywhere between, you know, something as small as a uh, 25 millimeter, um, you know, what we call projectile, everybody else would call a bullet, <laughs> all the way up to, you know, one five fives, eight inch rounds, 16 inch rounds that were, that were fired out of like, uh, you know, battleship uh, guns, you know, because we span the, the, it, the military owns that ordinance from cradle to grave. It's always them. So whether or not it's something that was just produced yesterday or it was produced a hundred and something, 200 years ago, um, that doesn't matter. Um, you know, that, that counts as an explosive ordinance or also uh, to include uh, missiles, um, you know, rockets, uh, grenades, mortars, you name it. If there's an explosive in it, that's that's our purview. Uh, but then, even more so in more modern day, what everybody kind of thinks of still is the uh, the IED threat that's out there. Improvised explosive device. Again, it's got explosives in it. So uh, somebody, whether it was commercially manufactured or somebody put it together in their basement, garage, cave, tunnel, what have you, that uh, still falls underneath the the EOD uh, purview. So the concept is to be able to mitigate that hazard. And uh, through any number of ways, um, it more, more, most technically is to mitigate it so it doesn't detonate in an area where they, you, that area cannot sustain a high order detonation. In other words, you can't, you can't just go out there and counter charge the main charge and blow it up because it's next to a hospital or a school or some other kind of critical infrastructure or people. Um, so that's, that's the bread and butter of EOD. Um, and and on your background too, I also want to add for everybody. Chris is also a volunteer firefighter. We actually served together in in Arlington at Croft Corners at uh, at one point before we both went on to our prospective careers. Yeah, that was a minute ago. <laughs> yeah, um, but I think that's the important part of this conversation, right, Chris? Is because you know you have a skill set of this explosive ordnance disposal technician. When you're talking about IEDs. And, you know, you hit it, it's commercially manufactured or homegrown. And like people forget that, you know, I think they limit or not limit. Um, they link an IED to Iraq and Afghanistan and our MRAPs, Humvees, troops getting blown up. But in reality, we're seeing this stuff happen here in the United States. The uh, most notable one that I remember is technically wasn't Timothy McVeigh's 
bombing in Oklahoma City some kind of improvised explosive device. Like he was using different components. He had some fertilizers. I mean, yeah. I'm trying not to get it on watch list here, but with you, it's kind <laughs> of impossible. Um, we'll circle back to that. But like the like IED attacks are happening. Yeah. No, and that's, you know, yeah. And Timothy McVeigh is a great example. Um, and, you know, obviously, even if you go to the, um, you know, like we did, go to the Oklahoma City, uh, the, the, the bombing museum, um, you know, they, they even talk about that there, what that is. And it's, it's every bit of a, you know, a vehicle born IED without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be foreign. It could also be domestic and, um, you know, even go to the smaller scale to, to kind of put it in perspective. I mean, that's obviously, a, you know, that was a large scale disaster. It was, you know, it was a horrible thing, but, um, you know, a lot of times you can even get, you can come across a situation and a lot of local police departments come across this a lot of times is um, utilizing some kind of booby trap devices to protect their, uh, you know, whatever illicit things they're doing. Um, that happens a lot, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, protecting their meth houses or protecting their, uh, if they're growing, you know, growing marijuana or what have you, you know, a lot of times they'll, they'll use these devices to actually protect these areas. So and that's still, you know, it's just as dangerous to, to one person, you know, yeah, it might not necessarily be looking at, you know, harm, you know, hundreds of people, but, uh, these things are still out there. So, uh, you're going to come across these situations, even in an area that you wouldn't think so. You know, in fact, even more rural, I would say would make it more susceptible, more likely that you could have that kind of, you know, if you have a huge meth problem, uh, that's something that, uh, you know, every now and then, like, we would get called to assist on stuff like that, um, you know, because the FBI or the local police department, well, through coordination with uh, with the FBI, would call um, the military uh, bomb squads and uh, they would go and respond. Uh, we call uh, defense support to uh, civilian authorities. Um, now, Chris, just to kind of, when it comes to talking about like you've mentioned, if you have a meth problem, and we're not talking about your own personal use, like <laughs> I got my own you know, teeth. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like you know, and I and I remember, uh, so like Chris came up and did a class in Poughkeepsie a long time ago when I first got promoted uh, with some other units from was it Fort Drum, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and one of the things that you said, you were like, "Hey, if you have a meth lab, the components of making meth uh, methamphetamine, you have." your product can make the, the thing to protect it as well. And you can make, and I forget which explosive we were running into the same, because I always get them all confused. And I mean, it goes, boom, I don't want to, I don't want to do yeah. it. Right? Like, but, but yeah, no, and that's the, you know, I think it's a, a very key point, especially like as, as, you know, obviously we're talking about something specific to, you know, national fire radio here. So we have a, a specific audience. So to kind of bring it home and maybe emphasize that. So what, point a little bit more is yeah uh, absolutely especially when you look at the materials that you know that go into making meth um you're not far off you've got all the lab equipment um a couple tweaks to the recipes and you can just as easily make homemade explosives you can make primary explosives you can make you know ma- uh, main explosives uh, their main charges it's not it's not hard which uh, was the info that methamphetamine can make go into or no no um well you can kind of there, there's a couple different ones and so without really getting too far into the recipes um you know very easily to make well not easy but you know with, with the right lab equipment you can make uh you can make homemade blasting caps using uh tatp or uh, hmtd mm-hmm. um those are very popular common things that uh i'm gonna share a recipe you know don't want everybody out here you know trying to blow their fingers off yeah, this um, is not a cooking show off. today all right <laughs> yeah so yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is, and and you know when you start talking about things like anfo or urea nitrate, uh, things like that uh, for the main charges, and so it's it's easy enough to to combine those two, you know, because you want to have, uh, you know, when I say primary, that's the kind of thing that would go in a blasting cap. So like a commercial blasting cap has like lead azide or something along those lines in it. So the idea when you you have to set up an explosive train, so you want to go from something that's very sensitive, a small charge, and something slightly less sensitive but more kick. And then into something, you know, much, you know, in, into their, your main charge. Um, like, um, you know, uh, you can't just go out there and, you know, hit ammonium nitrate with, with a hammer. You can bang on it all day. And, you know, chances are you're going to be okay. Um, I don't recommend that anybody does that. <laughs> but, you know, uh, if, if you're looking for reliability of function, um, just going out there and hitting it with a hammer or lighting it on fire, it's not going to get you where you want to be. 
So that's why you would use the, you know, this explosive train to go from most sensitive, but smallest amount because they are very sensitive. So if you don't want to blow yourself up all the way up to, you know, the, the main charge, which is the least sensitive, but it's going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. I, I think the known to the unknown for the fire service is like a heavy timber building where like, if I took a match to uh, a heavy tim- piece of heavy timber, it's not going to light on fire and go blaze yeah. away, but I have to build a fuel package if I wanted to exactly. light that building. So, and that could be, like a trail of gasoline leading up to pallets, leading up next to the building components, which will eventually catch fire. Same thing's going to happen with explosive devices. We want to have something that, you know, I, I think you used the term before, a, a kicker, something to kick it off. <laughs> and, and because it's just not, there, there is a science to this. Yeah. No, there really is. Um, you know. Oh, it's, it's just, I want to cut you off real quick. Just so everybody understands the science of this. Uh, Chris and I are friends and we are going to probably at some point start picking on each other and we'll detract from the podcast. But (laughs) at my wedding, um, we had to make the signature drink and he looked at the recipe and converted it (laughs) in his head. And I said, are you sure? Because I didn't trust him. And, and he said, it's, 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 (laughs) that's what you said. He's like, it's like explosives. I do this all the time. Don't worry. Um, (laughs) Sorry. So going back into it, like the science of it, like there's that there is a process to this. It's like you're not, uh, you know, I think Jerry Herb says from you're not, you know, baking a cake, you're grilling a steak. Well, here you are baking the cake. The ingredients yeah. have to be pretty exact. Yeah. I, well, yeah, you want to get as close as possible. Um, there's, there's some variances, especially when you start talking about homemade explosives. But, uh, you know, the, the physics, uh, there's, there's, so when you come into explosives, you know, there's a lot of physics go into it with some mathematics and obviously chemistry. Um, So because you're trying to figure out obviously the chemistry, it's a chemical reaction, you know, that's, that's violently reacting, whether it's commercial or homemade explosives, you know, so you're getting that, that reaction. And then of course, you know, you're applying that chemistry into physics and you're going to, you know, have now applied physics because you're going to try and figure out the blast and blast effects and the second and third order effects of that detonation itself. So, you know, it's not it's it's not just that blast wave that you're going to be trying to carry. You know, are you you know carrying encasing it with some kind of you know purpose built fragmentation, or are you, uh, or is it just a matter of are you having to take into you know secondary fragmentation such as like uh, construction materials or um, just rocks around and, and whatnot? So there's there's a lot of factors that go into consideration factors when you start uh, into consideration uh, when you start looking at you know what do I have what do I have in front of me. Um, you know, what do I have to worry about? Uh, so yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's a bit that goes into it, no doubt. What, um, I had a question. I just lost it. Um, so <laughs> for, for first responders, like you have this, this, this is the, the, the advantage for you is you did walk the walk. You were a paramedic. We were working 911 shifts together. You were a firefighter. So you understand the basics of what it is, the approaches. What do you think the American Fire Service is missing when it's coming to this approach of explosives? Because I know for myself, like I have to do the training every year now. I'm the MTO, right? And it's the <laughs> same, like weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. Look out for terrorism. If you see, you know, and it, it's like, yeah. but it. Yeah. So um, I, I think, and this is obviously this is my opinion. And, you know, of course, mm-hmm. I, I fully expect, you know, you get 10 different bomb techs in a room, you're gonna get 10 different opinions on things about how to do things and ideas. But um, for, for my two cents, I think one of the things when they put out this training that's out there and like Department of Homeland Security has that, and um, you know, a couple other obviously agencies, you know, they produce something similar to that. Uh, you know, this is what an IED looks like, or this is what, you know, this is mass, you know, weapon of mass destruction consideration. I think there's even a section in uh, in the ERG, if I remember correctly, with, mm-hmm. uh, that nation has it, you know, but the problem is, is that you're, it's very general, it's very broad. So when it comes down to the rubber meets the road, you know, one, I, I think that a lot of the fire service may not necessarily be looking at it from that lens. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's fresh in your mind when something first happens, like, let's take the, you know, the Boston Marathon bombing, well, all of a sudden, okay, yeah, first responders started considering that this might be something that, that needs to go into their training. But as, you know, time goes by and, you know, something like that hasn't happened, it hasn't been fresh, you get start getting the, you know, oh, it won't happen to us mentality. You know, why, why this area? You know, why Poughkeepsie? You know, right. um, I think that's, I think that's a pitfall, you know, 
And then, so because of that, I think that you're just not keeping, you know, you can, you can generalize it, but do, do you really know what, you know, what we're looking at for IEDs, you know, what you would, would actually, would you recognize one when you came across it? Um, and then, uh, you know, so then what do you do about it? Uh, what's your, have, have you actually updated, you know, your TTPs very similar to tactics, uh, your, your tactics. Um, so it's very similar kind of like, even when you're, I think when you're doing a fire response, you know, is the area that you're set up safe, you know? So, you know, uh, when it starts coming down to that, that line and that, that mindset where, okay, well, all of a sudden I had something that came from together, like a building, uh, you know, comes together very rapidly, you know, do I do a quick check around me and see if anything looks quite not in place? And if it's something as simple as like, okay, a gas leak, am I parked someplace where there's still gas? Well, the, the same concept goes for explosives too, obviously, you know, uh, similar concept, it's going to have similar results. Um, so, you know, you obviously want to check your safe area. And uh, so I think that, uh, and not recognizing, you know, what you're actually looking at, you know, then you're going to be missing out on that, you know, a very key piece. I'm not trying to, you know, so paranoia into everybody, but I definitely think you have a situation where, you know, something, you know, something has obviously sustained a, a, a mass detonation for, you know, for whatever reason, because you don't know until you get up there. I think it's worth kind of looking around and taking a quick look underneath your truck and your, your engine and making sure that that's clear and just give a quick, you know, look around and make sure there's nothing else that looks kind of squirrely, you know. Yeah, obviously you do a scene assessment. Are you near a bunch of propane tanks? You know, things along those lines. Well, you know, also right. look for packages or, you know, you know, obviously if we're going back to the Boston Marathon bombing, you know, look for pressure cookers, you know. Uh, there's some things that, you know, that can be done to, to make sure that you're safe, you know. So I think it's it's important to apply that, you know, in, in when you've got an incident, it could be, you know, don't just assume, hey, it's this one thing, you know, especially, um especially when it doesn't take very long to just kind of give a look at it. And also like, um, I, I'm trying to think of there was, I, I know there was a, like there was a gender reveal party where somebody <laughs> did something and they blew yeah, themselves they did a pipe up. Bomb. That was brilliant. I read that. I was like, yeah. wow, that was so, so that was and, and this goes from like the realm of, Hey, this could be, we can talk about terrorism and, you know, like I, we make the joke of Aloha snack bar, yep. but like, you know, some kind of radically radical, like uh, I don't want to say radical. Well, I think radical Islamic terrorism, you know, is a, is a type or something motivated by religion sure. yep. to, you know, some kind of gun ho militia who's like, yep. we're going to take back the country, you know? And like, um, but there also is this realm of, you know, just idiots who are keeping yeah. us employed. Um, like this guy with a gender reveal party yeah. made a pipe bomb, and it people people are gonna do dumb things. Um, oh. So I would definitely say that I I have responded due to you know something you know it, just ignorance, plain ignorance. Uh, so in that scenario, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, they made a pipe bomb and without knowing they were making a pipe bomb because they don't know what a, you know clearly they didn't know what goes into it um because uh, i don't think they would have if that uh yeah <laughs> if they had uh i'd be very surprised if they normally went into that and did that. a really shitty way to get out of child support you know yeah yeah no kidding but um yeah you know so th things like that you know playing with crap you just don't understand mixing chemicals i mean as you know even in the fire service you know you meet mix a with b and all of a sudden you get a hypergolic reaction and something is now spontaneously igniting you know um you know, so I mean, it's it, it, this ignorance happens, you know, and it may not necessarily be malicious, but hey, the end results are still the same. Um, yes, the thing, the thing I find kind of, uh, I, I couldn't even begin to tell you how many times I came across, you know, old ordinance that people found and were using as doorstops. Um, and these things, you know, were still live, <laughs> like, a, like, a, like a mortar, and they were just like, Hey, yeah, yeah. Um, I have one up in Tulsa, uh, did a response up there because, um, you know, somebody happened to be visiting, you know, uh, you know, uh, friends, uh, and they were like, oh, hey, you know, that's, that's, uh, I think it's explosives. And they called the police and the police called us. But yeah, it was, it was like, a, it was an old uh, 105, 105 millimeter uh, projectile that was filled with, uh, had a base detonating fuse and everything in it. Um, despite the fact that it was from World War II, and it's, it's still live. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've had those responses before where it's, you know, people just don't know. And they're like, oh, this thing looks really neat.
but these things are still live. They're still lethal. Um, you know, sure enough, when we went out, we, we took it out to the range and, uh, you know, uh, we blew it up out there on the range in an area that was safe to do that. And, uh, yeah, I think it left a really nice crater. Um, and that would have, that would have, it, it would have definitely ripped apart. Some it would have done some serious damage. Not only would have probably knocked out the, that, that section of that house right there in the, in the front room, uh, I would say if I had to just guess, you know, visualize it in my head, uh, you definitely would have affected the structures nearby. Uh, you definitely would have propelled fragment into the surrounding homes. Uh, cause you know, something, you know, thicker case like that, that fragment fragmentation is going to, it's going to propel. So, um, and those heavier pieces propel harder because there's still, there's still that same energy is applied to that, that fragmentation, that, that piece. Uh, but now it, it carries more with it. So, uh, there's, you know, you, you need, uh, there's a lot more momentum behind it to stop that thing. Uh, so yeah, it's going to go through a house, <laughs> bottom line. Um, and so, anything that's in between it. Yeah, exactly. Anything that's in between it. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, so these things happen. Uh, we've gone, uh, we've got calls where, uh, you know, we pick up old, uh, war, civil war cannonballs, uh, cause they're still alive with black powder fuses in them. Um, there was a guy when I was down in Fort Belvoir that actually ended up blowing himself up because he was trying to, you know, he was a, he was a collector and was trying to, you know, drill it out. And I guess he was going to try and save it himself and ended up sparking it off. And it, you know, it, it blew up and killed him. This is a civil war cannonball. Um, you, you would think, oh, wow, it's that old now. Well, some of this stuff gets even worse. The older it gets. So, and, and, you know, for, for the viewers and listeners, Chris has had, uh, how many years did you put into the army? Uh, well, I've got 13 years in uh, service. So, so in that time, you know, he's had a couple different places that he's moved around. And one of them was at the Aberdeen Proving Grounds in Maryland. And I remember, um, like the fun part of all this was, you know, when I would go visit you on the Aberdeen side at your house, it was like drive in license registration, visitor pass. And then when you were at the shop, you were just like, yeah, just come in, tell them you're going to building six, two, one Oh, or whatever it was. <laughs> and I went to the shop and, uh, like, but in there you had a mine from the Civil War that they had taken out of the Baltimore Harbor. I think it was the story with it. Well, no, yeah, I think we had a cannonball. Is what it was, and it was because uh, uh, Fort, uh, what is it by there? Fort Hamilton, is that right? Um, there's no Civil War fort, uh, but yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because you know, and that's actually kind of it's, you know, so and the funny thing is, is that there's a lot of stuff that, you know a lot of this ground has been, you know, turned back over to the civilian populace. Um, but, you know, overall as a whole, as the country was growing, you know, they didn't, a lot of times they didn't take care of their stuff the way that we do now. Um, so a lot the, the technique was just to either dump it in a bay or a harbor or, or bury it. And so now that stuff, a lot of that just comes unburied and it pops up. Um, there's a lot of sites that are out there that, you know, or even it might make that area may have been old ranges that, you know, the government sold back out to the town and they've developed on these sites, you know, so a lot of this stuff, it's still out there. It's, it's very much still out there. There's a whole career field, you know, um, yeah, that, uh, you know, of, of, you know, having to mitigate areas that were once old ranges. Yeah. Um, that, that job I worked up in Montana was, you know, it was a former range that was given back to a, that was given to a mining company. So had to clear that out. Um, so yeah, I, these things are out there, you know, they pop up. Um, what's so like going, like kind of switching gears here back towards like some of the more, um, um, premeditated stuff that we may see. Right. So, Somebody, whoever it is, is meaning to do us harm, and they're going to yep. use some kind of explosive device to do that. What's the difference that typically we will see? You know, I get I got a call for an explosion, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm working in Fairview, you know, and I'm I'm oh my like gas right? Like we just had one yep. in in, yep. in Wappingers Falls. Yep. What's what are the differences that I'm going to see from like a gas explosion to you know, a potential explosion with something either it's homemade or commercially made, yeah. you know, like what? So I would say um, off the top of my head, right off the bat, and it may not necessarily be, you know, as um, obvious, but um, you're when going back to talking about primary fragmentation and secondary fragmentation, you know, so is it, you know, are you looking at, you know, things that are, 
you'll, you'll see more of a pattern with something that was like commercial built or purpose built um, that, you know, from the, the point of initiation, it's going to, you know, a, a detonation is an omnidirectional event. So you're going to propel fragmentation uh, or whatever else you have around you, you know, 360 degrees. But especially if there's a frag pattern uh, along the walls of, you know, clearly, obviously, you know, hey, you know, or you, you see pieces of shrapnel, um, you know, ball bearings, things like that, nails, you know, but not just, you know, fresh nails, <laughs> fresh, you know, hot, not rusty nails. Um, well, I guess they could have used rusty in their, in their device, but, um, you know, you're going to, you're going to see these things. Um, and if they're involved in the detonation itself, um, that, 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 that blast seat, uh, when it cranks off, it gets really, really hot. Um, so that whatever metal that's around there, you're going to see it get that really neat color of like those those blues and reds and oranges and those pieces of metal, depending on how close they were to the to the blast itself. And if, if you've got a lot of those pieces, you know, I mean, the, the thing probably started, you know, at that point, uh, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I'd say, you know, as a if you're looking at a, a gas explosion, so with explosives, you, you've got a very identifiable, you know, blast seat, usually, you know, from where it's not usually, you know, from where it started, there's an identity, there's a, there's a blast seat. Um, you know, obviously it could be, it, it could vary a little bit when we're talking about cratering, uh, how high off it was off the ground, or if it was up on the second floor, obviously, okay, you're not going to have evidence of a crater, but you're still going to have a blast seat. There's going to be a point of origin, you know, just like we would fire, you know. Um, whereas if you're looking at something that's more of like a gas type thing, you know, yeah, okay, there's going to be a point of initiation, but that point of initiation isn't necessarily going to be the hottest part of that fire. The thing is going to, it's going to travel at a very rapid speed, obviously, because now that gas has been ignited. So, you know, uh, it, it's converting, but it's not going to that overpressure of that, that package. So let's say in the case of, you know, a house, okay, with gas that overpressure isn't going to get exceeded for what the materials of the house is built by until it gets to a certain point. So like, you know, we've all, you know, light your grill outside. It's not light enough. You keep on going eventually and it, and it flashes over. Well, yeah, you, chances are you probably didn't, you know, blow up your, your grill. Um, but, uh, if you left that cranking for long enough, you know, uh, that, you know, you're gonna, and even let's say you close the lid. So now it's contained. So that blast overpressure, which is what you're looking at. It's the same thing with a gasoline, you know, with, with gas, not gasoline necessarily, but a gas uh, explosion. Right. It's that that overpressure that's eventually going to overcome. So if you have a little bit, that fire is going to consume that gas, and you might just have a little bit of an elevation and pressure. But if you have a lot of gas, you know, obviously there's more of that to consume. It's going to, you know, that pressure is going to raise rapidly, and it's going to exceed the, you know, the capacity of that building to hold that 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 detonation. So uh, the blast, uh, the original, the point of origin isn't going to be as obvious. Other than how much gas, you know, did this actually fill up, you know, was it enough to fill up a room or was it enough to fill up a house, you know, uh, so depending on how much is actually released, you know, is going to is going to be the determining factor of where, you know, but the, I think the blast heat is going to be a lot less obvious. Right. Um, you're going to see a lot of things more uniform because, again, that gas is going to it once it cranks off, it's going to consume everything that is every gas molecule is going to consume the gas molecule next to it and it's going to. It's all going to be consumed. So I don't think you're going to have as obvious a spot of, hey, look, this detonation occurred right here at this spot. You might have more, you know, damage in a certain section because that's where more gas was when it actually ignited. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, you're you're looking more holistically at, at larger sections of something that cranked off, like in a building, for example. Right. Um, so if you're going to, so let's say take an example of, you know, a house. Uh, I saw some of the pictures uh, for the Wappingers event. If that had done, if that had been an, an actual explosive event, um, you know, to, to mimic that same kind of destruction, uh, I'd say that more than likely, one, you're going to have a crater. Um, two, the surrounding areas, the surrounding buildings will definitely have fragmentation in them, and you're going to have a lot more, um, I think you're going to have a lot more impact from not just primary fragmentation, which would be, you know, anything you purposely put in there to, to you know, project out. But the secondary fragmentation, like we talked about, like construction materials, and whatnot, I think you're going to have more impact, you know, because your explosions, uh, your, your explosives, you're looking at, ah, man, I want to say it's like, uh, for, for the sake of just easy, easy math, somewhere in the realm of like 20,000 feet per second, give or take a little bit, you know, so if you're looking at something with that kind of energy, um, you know, for an explosion, 
that's going to have a lot more you know penetration so and you're i think with to, in order to take down that building i think you would have had a crater mm -hmm. uh, i definitely think you would have seen more you know more burning you know because again those gas molecules it was gas which you know obviously seemed like it was to me you know uh, other than what was in the immediate vicinity where there's been enough other than that where the you know the explosive limits you know have dis dispersed enough where it's not going to carry out to that far so right. you're gonna you're, the dissipation is going to be a lot more rapid you know um so, so i mean so it's really like a like and i don't want to say like this because i mean in both cases there's destruction but there mm -hmm. uh, you know there's a severity to it where you know it's not just this is used to the, uh, I forget who I think it was Dane Cook who said blown to smithereens, right? But like this really is <laughs> going to be yeah. like in, in the crater. You've you've mentioned that a couple of times, and I think that's important for people to know is that on a gas explosion, we don't typically see a crater formed. Like that's yeah. it, I don't want to say it's impossible because I don't know if it actually is impossible. But like with a bomb, yeah. I, there's I would say something yeah, is it, there. Well, yeah, no, absolutely, and I would say it's possible only under only under like certain specific. Mm -hmm. uh, conditions. So let's say you've got, um, man, I, I think you can get, if you've got a propane tank to high order, <laughs> um, right. you know, I think this is could, not a challenge for anybody listening, by the way. Yeah, please, please don't try it. But if, if that were to be the scenario, you come across it all those lines, you might have something surface, but it's really, it's lacking that penetration. Um, so, yeah. you know, when you're talking about just, you know, just ignitable substances in the air, if you're lacking that, that physics, that force, you know, of it being propelled at that, you know, at that mock, oh my God speed to, to be able to disrupt, you know, the ground and disperse it. Um, so with explosions, you've got, you've got some, you know, some, some considerations in there. So you've got thermal event, you've got a blast event and you've got a fragmentation event, you know, so you've got these three things. Now a gas explosion is going to have, obviously you, you'll have some second and third order effects, but primarily it's a thermal event, you know, with just a gas explosion. Um, you're not really worrying about like blast overpressure, you know, to that, to that extent, you know, yes, the house came from together because the pressure exceeded what the house could sustain in that thermal event as it was rapidly expanding gas, you know, um, but in, in a detonation, if you're looking at this thing, it's going to, you know, these blast waves are really, really interesting, uh, the way that they go through, um, and they'll uh, th this wave is coming through with such power that you, it, depending on what it's actually reflecting off of will will intensify and you can actually get that and you can you can shape that in a way that'll it'll it'll be more powerful in a direction than what initially like if you just set it off in the in a you know open field you know versus a room with some corners um the, that blast wave actually has a tendency to add to itself and become more intense in certain areas so you'll see certain effects like that that you wouldn't see with a gasoline explosion or uh, uh, yeah. A gas explosion. Sorry. And, and I think that's a. I, I was just thinking of. Um, I want to say it was an embassy attack in Africa, maybe Nairobi. I don't know if that's. Uh, but like the, yeah. the, um, the, the the it was a vehicle born IED, and it was how it was placed. And then, um, obviously, nobody's like getting a text message that says like, "Hey, it's uh, IED attack time. Please come to the windows or stay away." But like. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of commotion, so people came to the windows, and when that blast hit, that pressure wave, as you're talking, like it kind of yeah. bounced off the buildings, and and unintentionally, by the the actors, did a lot more damage because, yeah. you know, of, of everything that happened. So yeah, the, the, what they call refractory blast waves. Um, if you're close enough to the blast heat, so a, a blast that that wave is going to attenuate the further out that it goes, but if you reflect it back on itself, you can actually potentiate it and increase the effect of it. And if I remember correctly, for Oklahoma City, when we went to the memorial, like there, like one of the tour guides was there, and uh, he's like, there was it was blocks where windows had shattered, like, yeah. like we're talking, like not like next door, like hey, this building filled with gas had exploded, and like these two, we're talking, like this pressure wave literally traveled down the street, shattering glass on the way, yep. and I think the guys in the firehouse, like, felt it, like. Cause you could like, it's, and that's, that's what you don't typically have from, or I don't, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of, you don't typically have it, but you don't, you don't see that kind of destruction from that gas explosion. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's spot on right there. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's one of the things that we actually, so now I do, uh, I do explosive safety for, for the, uh, for the DOD. And that's one of the things that we consider is what, what is the material these buildings are, are, you know, built nearby.
Um, and actually NATO has done a really good job with updating their standard and they, they now account for what they call vulnerable building distance. So if you've got buildings that have like a much larger, you know, glass face, like a lot of these modern constructions do, right. you have to, you have to consider that and, you know, uh, adjust how much explosives we can store in a certain area, or we got to start coming up with mitigations for different types of glass and different types of construction materials to go into that because it's, it's a factor. I, I think the war in Ukraine has kind of, and, and in this, this what's happening now in Israel uh, and, and uh, Gaza is showing us what explosives can really do from, and that's one of the things when I, I know when this kicked off, I, um, the, the stuff that it was uh, the October 7th attacks, I started to show the PowerPoint that you had shared with me on suicide bombers, but like, it was like, Hey, like this is stuff that we need to start looking at, but like being able to see what these events look like, because, yeah. you know, I, I've always felt like you're going to show up and like the Boston marathon, like there was some very specific wound injuries that happened because of that pressure cooker and that omnidirectional yeah. blast wave that you talk yeah. about. Yeah. Um, and that goes back to like, even, you know, propelling that fragmentation. You yeah. Know, that, that primary frag that it's it's you know coming off of it absolutely yeah you're looking at a different event than you would oh is this is just an accident was it you know was it where was it a gas a gas main that went off yeah right because that again that thermal event that thermal event tends to uh that also attenuates a lot quicker from this from the the point of initiation so uh it's going to you know it's going to fizzle out if you will you know for it's a you know uh, to, to, to use easier words, uh, you know, uh, it'll fizzle out a lot easier. So, um, but again, with, with blast, um, that, that wave, it's going to carry a lot further. So it's, you know, it's got more, more bang for your buck, if you will. Now, this is not, uh, I, I think we do a really good job on the podcast to stay away from politics, but it would be <laughs> remiss to not talk about certain facts that are happening in our country. Uh, and I know there's been several, um, several, uh, I don't want to say folks like yourself, but retired CIA, um, people, people who work for the department of state, you know, people who have different, different jobs for the government who have openly been talking about finding people from foreign countries that we used to have, uh, troops in, maybe we withdrew in a way that was not very, uh, thought out <laughs> and executed, but like we're, we're getting these people coming across the border. Um, I know I have a friend of mine who works on the border as a firefighter, and, and he outright uh, said, and, and he's like, as a Mexican-American, he's like, listen, you take somebody from some of these countries where we would just rapidly withdrew troops out of and people hanging off of planes and you shave their beards, they look just like me. Mm -hmm. And until um, they start speaking, you won't know that they're from, uh, you know, another country other than Mexico. Yeah, I mean, and, I, I personally met, you know, I met a, a plethora of Afghanis when I was over there that had red hair. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, that's, you, you know, like, huh, look at that. That's me. It's not what you consider, you know, the, 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 the standard, you know, look, uh, you know, I've seen them out there, you know, that are, you know, you know, blonde, you know, blue eyes and blonde hair, um, you know, uh, from a lot of times, you know, I think a lot of it might've been the byproduct of the Russian invasion for specifically that area. Um, but yeah, they don't necessarily have to, there's not one right. set block, you know. And, and I mean, I even no, it's not. It's not. It's that's silly. And and even <laughs> that, like we saw with, and I remember you sharing this with me because you had me download material for you to when you were contracting at one point. But like ISIS did a really good job of utilizing social media and marketing to disenfran getting a disenfranchised people to do terror attacks. We certainly mm -hmm. saw an uptick in that when they were on their rise. Um, mm -hmm. And there's talks now of Al Qaeda is actually, you know, people think Al Qaeda is dead, but they're they're not. Like they're very much a powerhouse. And now that there's this vacuum in Afghanistan, it's the Taliban's back in charge. Are, like, and there's, you know, it's most likely going to be a place where, you know, terror camps go back. Yeah. So like the, the us, initial reason for us to have gone in there in the first place was because it was a hotbed for being allowed whatever terrorism occurred out there. Right. Um. And, and we have other foreign influences that are now in country doing things. So like, there's a lot of the, and, and like I said, it's not political, but it's, it's the facts of like, there's a lot of factors going into this, which I guess my point is we could potentially, and we, we, we are always a potential target, see um, 
attacks with explosives, you know, and, and obviously like what happened in Israel was not, um, you know, not even considering the first and second infatata when they had the suicide attacks for, for us as a, as a response, you know, I, I get this call for this explosion and I show up and I'm like, man, like this isn't gas. There's pot marks of shrapnel. There's a very high, like I'm seeing those signs of that high heat from that explosive device in one area, but no fire because maybe it didn't kick anything off secondary to the explosion. The wounds of people, like what are some things that I may start seeing uh, in that response and things that I have to start looking out for as a first arriving unit? Like, is there going to be a secondary device? Is there somebody who's in a uniform that I've never seen before? It says fire department on it. And why are they calling everybody over to them? You know, like the Jamie, Jamie Foxx was in the, in that movie, the kingdom, you and I saw it together, I think. And yeah, that's, that's a, that's a really, uh, I, I, I appreciate the fact that it highlighted that, you know, that it's, it's, you know, targeted attack for, for first responders. And it's, you know, it's even something that even in our training, it's considered, you know, that, you know, that's why you always check your safe area. Um, so I guess to apply that to what you're, you're, you're asking, if I understand the question, right. So some things that you need to consider is, uh, you know, going back to, you know, doing that initial scene survey, you know, is your safe area safe? Uh, if you backed off enough, is there anything that looks like it might be out of place? Is there anything you can't necessarily clear, you know, and, and definitively say, Hey, look, yeah, you know, okay. I think this car is okay. You know, um, yeah, so I ta- can you, you know, feasibly, and obviously you've got an operation to conduct, you know, you can't back away, you know, a thousand meters from something, you know, because you don't have that much hose. That would be uh, ridiculous. Um, so right. <laughs> how far can you reasonably, you know, get out of the area or reposition your vehicles while still being, you know, effective to, to complete your mission? Um, so, you know, you plan for that. But the most important thing is immediately in the area, is there something right next to me that will kill me? Um, so, you know, look under it, you know, look around it, you know, do a quick look, you know, in, you know, whatever, you know, in the, in the bushes and what have you, and you can't be completely paranoid that, um, you know, that, okay, you know, there might be, you know, there might be explosives behind this wall that I can't see in this house, you know, okay. At the end of the day, there's unfortunately, I guess the, the easiest way to put it is, you know, there's some luck involved. Um, but there's some things you can do to dec- make it more random. So if, you know, so in, in terms of like your fire response, when you respond to something, you've got these pre-plants. So let's say you're responding to, I don't know, uh, we'll reference Fairview, say Francis Hospital or whatever they're calling themselves now. I forget what the new name is, but the, that hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got a pre-plant. You've got an idea of, okay, you know, so if you have a fire over here, we stage equi- the XYZ equipment over here, right? Is that, yep. is that an accurate assessment? Okay. Mm-hmm. So now, if I know that every time I've got this incident, if A happens, then B also happens, all right? So now if every single time I've got something that occurs, I know that I'll, you know, I know if I'm a casual observer and I wanna try some things out and I'm, yeah, I've got malicious intent and I know that every time you guys do this, you know, this response, I know exactly where to put something, like dead on know where to put something. Um, so if I was gonna do it, I'd watch you, watch what you guys do a couple of times. And if you repeat that thing over and over and over again, I am for sure going to put whatever the heck I want over in that area that you guys are going to stage to, to get that effect. So now does that mean, oh, well, go out there and change your, your tactics every time? No, there's, there's things that we did in the military. You know, you're always taught never to set up in the same spot each time. You know, you, you want to avoid it because there's going to be, we definitely had, you know, areas that we were called to frequently, you know, over and over again. Like, let's say I was down in like, I don't know, downtown Kalat. You know, and I knew, okay, well, this area here, we get called to this area for XYZ suspicious package or, right. you know, device found, what have you. Okay, well, well I'm not going to always want to set up on this road right here this far away because that's stupid, you know, because I'm in a, you know, I'm in a situation where they're trying to kill us, you know, all the time. And if I set up in that spot all the time because it was convenient or for whatever reason, that they're definitely going to set something up in that spot. Now, to transferring that domestically, I know that's not necessarily a, it's not practical because you guys are doing these pre-plans for a reason. <laughs> you know, you're trying to coordinate this response. And it's typically a fire response, right? Yeah. Like, like I know I show, like you used the example of the hospital. We show up to the same spot at the hospital because it's where the alarm panel is. And it's where we start our investigation into an automatic yeah. fire alarm. Whereas if it's a fire, we're going to go respond directly to that location. So I think there's like, you know, like you're, and you're hitting on a, a really good point here is that like in that, 
in this incident, like kind of, I don't want to even say communicating it, but being like, Hey, you know, this isn't normal beyond the look. Yeah. Like, and exactly. So I would say as an incident commander for something like this, if I walk up and I start seeing this, I recognize that that might be the effect of, you know, of, of, of uh, an explosive device of some type, then, you know, as, as a savvy incident commander, one, I would actually make the call to, you know, on the fly, hey, let's restage our equipment or maybe, you know, find, you know, do a quick, all right, well, hey, <laughs> hose is already dropped over here. We're already freaking set up, but let's redirect everybody else that's coming in on mutual aid and what have you into this other location for, for this particular event. So at least if something does happen, we're minimizing the impact that it happens. Yeah, we might lose some people, we might lose some some some, uh, some assets, but at least we didn't lose them all, you know? Right. So I think that's kind of an important thing is to, you know, if you can't mitigate all the risk, at least lower it down as much as you possibly can. Um, so, you know, so you, you, you came, you did the initial response, you guys dropped lines, you know, you got all set up, you know, and all of a sudden it starts looking like it might be this way. Well, if you've got additional assets, I wouldn't park them where you normally park them. You know, I guess that's the best way to put it, if that makes no. more sense. No, it does. And, and I know in, uh, the, I referenced this before, you shared a program with me that was declassified, I hope. Um, no, but it was on suicide <laughs> bombers. And yeah. there's some specific wound patterning, wound pattern, patterning? Yeah. That happened as far like, and I remember I showed the guys, and they were like actually shocked. And I said, like, hey, if they put nuts in the suicide vest, you're gonna see like a perfectly shaped nut yeah. outline in their legs or in their body. And there's a photo of that in an autopsy room of like yeah. it was just it cascaded down this poor woman's backside. Yeah. Um. So and then like, but like also like you pointed out the overpressure of that vest on the suicide bomber pops her head off like a pimple yeah yeah it's, it's and, actually, and it only happens to one person and that was uh <laughs> the, you know the vip yeah. so to speak I, I don't know how graphic i can get um but basically yeah. essentially what's happening is that you you know again i kind of the further you out from the wave the blast wave itself and the blast seat the the more it's going to kind of uh, attenuate but right there in direct contact with that explosive event that's going to incur things that are you know obviously immediately catastrophic but so uh, what's happening physically is the rest of that 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 compression that's around that that vest is it's rapidly you know compressing and disintegrating and severing everything else that's attached to it and then the blast wave itself is taking over um, so it's going to propel everything that's not immediately destroyed you know like a torso and it's mm -hmm. going to propel everything that's no longer attached to things they become secondary fragmentation um, yeah. You know, that's uh, it's it's it happens almost uh, more often than not. And the, the for most of us in emergency services, this is a uh, a form of this is a trauma that we'll hopefully never have to see. But like one of the things that I feel like as you know an instructor and everything else, you can't prepare yourself for what you can't visualize. Mm -hmm. So like having access to some of these, like and I hate saying it, but like some of these scenes, you know, and that. Like I said, uh, the to put it into words for folks is just pretty hard. But like when you see the powerpoints from Israel of some of the suicide bombings and some of the bombing attacks, and then you kind of get a better understanding of what, like I said, like what a gas explosion looks like versus what something is intentional. Yeah. It really is, and and, and that that one's thing specifically because I I thought maybe it was just a fluke, but then it was like bombing after bombing after bombing yeah. was induced by a suicide bomber with a vest um like these things like this you know like there, there was just a yeah. severed and head so i mean and that's the thing is you know going back to the the the, the so what of the matter you know why why do you does your audience and obviously your your, mm -hmm. your main focus why do they care well you know it's a matter of again recognizing it recognize this is this is the event that happened because it's going to change it should change what your tactics are and it should change it pretty quickly. Uh, again, going back to that setup, if I, if I came in on a scene and I'm seeing things like this, then I am for sure going to reposition my equipment if I can. Whatever equipment I can move as quickly as possible, I absolutely will reposition and set up a new staging area. And obviously you're gonna have to mobilize some other resources. Of course, you're gonna have to get the FBI involved and get them out there and get their experts going. And uh, the FBI is really your, you know, that'll be a lot of your point of con, your, your point of coordination, which I would assume would be done through the law enforcement, depending on how your, uh, your emergency action plan is set up. 
you know, but that's something very much that needs to happen is you're gonna have to get the experts out there to, you know, do a full on search, you know, and right. come in with the x-rays and come in with, you know, maybe they're using military working dogs or, or uh, well, bomb sniffing dogs, what have you, you know, but yeah, the important thing is recognize it right off the bat. That's the so what you guys a lot of times are going to be the first thing on the scene, you know, even, you know, more than likely, even before law enforcement or something like that happened. Right. You know, I can't imagine your average, you know, your average, you know, sheriff's department or, or town, you know, police department walking in there and being like, oh, it's, you know, in, in something that was, I would think the first assumption is going to be, oh, it's probably a gas explosion, you know, something like that. You know, that's going to be, you know, if I was a first responder back then before I actually got like training and, you know, a career in this, that would be my first thought. Oh, probably a gas explosion. Well, why is law enforcement going to walk in there first? <laughs> no, it's going to be right. you guys. You know, you're going to walk in there with meters and check. You know, check to make sure there's nothing. You know, you, you know, you're you're below the LDL and all stuff like that. You know, or LEL. Um, you know, police department's not going to do that. So it's going to be on you. So you'll be the first ones to recognize it. You'll be the first ones to identify this is the event that you, that actually occurred. Um, so I think having that, you know, that in your toolkit there to, to know what you're looking at is it, it's it's value added without a doubt. What's um. I know in the in the past when we've talked about this, you've hit on something called K factors. And when I talk about the response, so like, you know, I think the ERG will talk about like, oh, a briefcase bomb, a suicide yeah. vest, uh, a vehicle born one in a car, and then like, you know, uh, like a jingle trucks thing that you'd yeah. see in Afghanistan, where like a full like a, a rider truck or a, you know a yeah. U-Haul packed yeah. with explosives. What kind of like? And we've almost been going for an hour here, but like how, cause I think that's the other thing of this, right. It's like, Hey, like you have the potential for somebody to do something really cruel and intentional and premeditated. Yep. It's going to look different if they have a vest on, if they placed a bomb, like what we saw in Boston, yep. or if it's something like Timothy McVeigh, where he drove a truck up with all this stuff in there and parked it and walked away. Um, and, that, and there's been a couple flawed attacks in that in New York city in the past couple of years. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so like what I, I don't know like just you know in 60 seconds summarize it no like summarize what we're looking at with these k factors and the, and the damage i guess so what that's what what a k factor is um it's it's a it's a factor it's it's a a mathematical equation to figure out the pounds per square inch uh, pressure at a certain distance based off of the amount of net explosive weight of a device so depending on how big your charge is you know that's the new that's the explosive weight and how far you are from that seat, you know? So it's saying that, okay, if I've got, you know, I can't do the key factor in my head right now, right. Um, but if I've got, you know, let's say 10 pounds of explosives, what is my overpressure? I know that, you know, physics is physics. So now some explosives are more potent than others. Okay. So everything they use and what's even in the ERG is based off a of TNT equivalent. Okay. So TNT is a factor of one, you know? So depending on what it's actually made of, you know, it's that's going to vary what what the equivalent is, but you convert it into a TNT equivalent, and then so if I know I've got ten pounds of TNT equivalent explosives at a certain distance, you know, I know that you know uh, at like this distance I might be at like you know five psi or ten psi, you know, but you know I know that I you know about and the important thing with the K factor is that at, at certain psi's, you know, different things happen, you know, so like P, you know a structure. Uh, you know, that can, you know, will be just fine out at like, let's say 1.2 PSI, you know, but, you know, maybe uh, you're going to have some personal effects, so, you know, damage to eardrums, things like that. You know, so uh, it's at those different K factors. And that's kind of what that ERG is doing without actually telling you what's what it's doing um, is it's, you know, you're looking at these potential effects, <clears throat> you know, at the, at these certain distances, mm -hmm. but it is a function of pounds per square. <clears throat> it is a function of, of pressure. So you're looking at that. That's what those K factors are there for, because um, especially with the structure, uh, yeah, fragmentation is a factor. Fragmentation is probably going to affect people more than it's going to affect a building. So when we're talking about, you know, keeping people safe, you know, we're, we're a little more worried about fragmentation <clears throat> up till like, obviously, if they're too close, you know, the blast overpressure is going to liquefy them anyways. But, you know, when you start getting further out, <clears throat> but, um, you know, so fragmentation is going to be an issue you know, to people, but uh, a building's not going to really care. Chances are the building's going to block that. But right. as we get closer in, you know, now rather than, 
you know, that building may very well collapse because that blast overpressure is too intense at that distance. Um, so it's going to exceed what that building is capable of actually sustaining. Um, so <clears throat> that's what these different K factors are for is, you know, what is the pressure at this explosive at this distance? Um, so, and that's, you know, that's, so that's what the ERG is actually driving down to. So, um, and so like for, you know, to, to like what, what I see in like, so if I load a, a Toyota Camry, yeah, actually that's a horrible <laughs> example. That's my vehicle. If I load up a Ford Taurus, all right, with, with explosives, as much as I can pack in there. Did I just um, see you buy a Ford Taurus yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> it was old. I'd back up. <laughs> um, what's uh, like, and I parked that next to a building that yeah. has the potential to do some significant damage. Yeah. Yeah, so off the top of my head, um, without, you know, I don't have an ERG in my head, but I can, you know, visually stack it, you know, I could think, okay, well, how many cases of C4 can I fit in this thing? It's a lot. <laughs> you know, I can fit, you know, realistically, I can fit a couple hundred pounds without being it too obvious, Right. I think, um, with covering it up enough. Why, um, why would it be too obvious if there is more than a couple hundred pounds? Well, I mean, one, uh, actual physical space. Okay. Um, so that's, you know, where am I going to hide it? And then two, um, so I, I, I think I can confidently fit that in like a trunk or like take out the, the, the rear seats, depending on the vehicle we're talking about, you know, so if we're talking about Ford Taurus, you know, I think it's a pretty wide back seat, you know, mm -hmm. but eventually it's going to start to become a little bit obvious. And that's, you know, you, you kind of hit on a key point that, you know, when we look at things like V-Bids and we're starting to try and see if it's a V-Bid, that's one of the training that you, you, you get is What's looking a at what kind of vehicle born ied sorry um so and that's what you're referring to with you know packing a vehicle full of explosives you know um but there's other signs uh as you increase weight you know like if you get a bunch of fat bastards in a car the car's going to sink a little bit right so you get you know several hundred pounds of stuff in something so it's going to sit a lot lower you know it's going to it's going to be squatted you know why is why is something, why does it not quite look right? You know, if you've got bad shocks, you're like, you look at your car, you're like, oh, damn, I think I got a shock that went out because it's sitting a lot lower, you know, or, you know, so in terms of like coming up on this vehicle, you know, why does it look like the tires are, you know, one, why do they all look kind of flat? Two, why do they look like they're close to the, you know, close to the the, the housing of the car, you know, or the wheel wells, there, there's a word I was looking for, you know. Yeah. So that's, you know, and the more you put in there, obviously, the more obvious it's going to be. So if somebody goes really overboard, you know, it's going to stick out a lot more. But I don't think, you know, that's, you know, that. Uh, so you know, personally, I think you can, you know, you can get away with doing, you know, quite a bit of devastation with, you know, even before it becomes too obvious, you know. So I think that's where you have to start to kind of get in the mindset that, you know, if you came up, chances are the fire department's getting called because an event already happened, you know. Something's bringing you to that, that location. So, you know, if that starts to look at that, then yeah, then you can start looking around and say, okay, well, this doesn't quite look right, you know? And so if you see things like that, yeah, obviously, again, reposition. <clears throat> and, um, and and you, like you said, the events already happened, but it's also possible, I think what we saw in New York City, if I remember this correctly, is that um, the device didn't operate correctly, didn't explode, they got <clears throat> there, and then they were like, whoa, <laughs> this isn't, this has nothing to do with the fire department, but like it helped them. And where I was getting at with some of this stuff, with the VBID stuff, yeah. it's going to give you the idea of the evacuation distance, yeah. right? Like I Absolutely. come up on a Jeep Cherokee and there's a bunch of stuff wrapped around propane tanks in the back yeah. of that vehicle. Man, that's a, like, that's a really great point. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm sorry to, to interrupt you there, but yeah. as you're talking about that, so uh, evacuation distances and protection. So again, going back to the, so what? Okay. So if I think that I've, I'm suspected, you know, I've got something that I'm suspected of. So use the ERG as your, as your guideline, as a base, you know, example to try and figure out how far away I have to get. Okay. And so now again, that's only, that's only going to affect blast overpressure. All right. But now you also have to consider fragmentation. So um, when you position your people, don't have them out in the open. Uh, line of sight is, is, is the main thing. Um, so when we go to mitigate, um, mitigate explosive hazards, especially in terms of like storage sites and what have you of explosives, uh, our biggest concern is high velocity, low angle fragmentation. So <clears throat> again, that blast being omni omnidirectional, the stuff that is, you know, coming from the low parts is going to have the most energy projected directly out because the stuff that's going high, it comes up, 
okay? But gravity and everything else take effect first, and then it'll lob back down, kind of like a mortar or, you know, whatever else you throw up in the air, you know? So a lot of the energy is taken up by it being projected up top, you know, high and then low. But the that low angle, you know, fragmentation, it's coming directly at you. So line of sight. If you can see it, it can see you. So in, in terms of, like, trying to set up a good protection area, you know, you put something else in front of you, um, you know, that, you know, at least put a barricade of some type in front of you, whether it's, you know, hey, we reposition this engine over over this way, you know, and we're going to stand on the other side of this thing, or, um, you know, or we get behind some, some you know, jersey barriers or a building, you know, corner of a building is set up there. Um, that's really important to, 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 to consider because, you know, you the black before pressure, it's 20,000 feet per second. Yeah, well, yeah, twenty thousand ish. Like I said, uh, some explosives go a little faster, some go a little bit slower. You're, you're not gonna say, "Oh," and duck out of the way of this thing. Yeah, like, no, no, you're not. You're there not will be no time. time. Yeah, you're you're not gonna have time. Um, so, uh, what you want to do, like I said, if you're, you know, when you start talking about, you know, you know, so in, in setting up a safe area, you know, I think that's the important thing is making sure that you get far enough away because that blast overpressure, unfortunately. You know that doesn't care about a barricade. It's going to go around it, and it's still going to be a factor. So that's going to be that's going to be mitigated by distance. You know, so the further away you can get, but that fragmentation, that frag is going to carry. You know, depending on how much explosives there are, that fragmentation could carry far more and still be lethal at a greater distance than what that blast overpressure will. So that you just mitigate by putting a barricade. You know, at least in front of you, and preferably overhead for that lob stuff, because that lob stuff is going to travel further. And it's still going to come down. It's you know, still heavy chunks of material, you know. It's still going to come down. So if you can get some overhead cover too, great, you know. But at, at the very least, you know, mitigate that that you know low angle, high velocity, you know, fragmentation that could come out to you. If you can see it, it can see you. So stop looking at it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. At least at least protect some of your body, you know, and and you know take some binos. Um. <clears throat> so that's one of the things that we do. Even um, you know, so a basic overall approach to, to EOD. Um, so I'm going to, you know, again, I'm going to set up my safer here. There's some things I, I, you know, try and consider, but, um, you know, and then when I'm actually going on the device, which I don't recommend, please don't ever approach anything that you think, you know, might be a device, but, you know, in terms of just general factors of just personal risk mitigation is I try and eliminate all the things that are going to be, that can kill me, you know, that are out of my control, you know? So like, uh, you know, that's when I'm start looking for command wire, you know, stuff like that, you know, uh, some kind of, you know, radio control devices, things along those lines. Once I've gone through and I've eliminated that factor and taken it all out of that factor, you know, then, you know, I, I start, you know, then the only thing left to kill me is me, like stepping on IED or something along those lines, which, you know, so, you know, mitigate by looking at ground signs and, you know, uh, you know, mine, you know, my detectors and what have you, you know, but take all the, all the external controls, you know, the things that I don't have a, a ability to control over, I try and take those out of the equation, you know, as much as possible. So, you know, and again, so for you guys, it's going to be most set up by, you know, getting, getting the hell away, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's one of the few times where retreating, you know, I think you say like time distance shielding, like this is something that you really want to, you want to get, get away from it, like get the victims out if you can get them out and then don't, there's no reason that, to admire your work here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chris, uh, thank you for, for coming in uh, on this, on, on this episode. It's been, I've been, I'm really excited that we got to do this today. Um, you've got, I know you've sent me a preliminary PowerPoint in the past. Like you're, yeah. where can people find you first and foremost? Um, well, I mean, email is probably going to be the best, uh, the best way right now. Um, okay. so, you know, and that's Christopher.l.morbido at gmail.com. So if you have some questions, um you know even as a as a department wide and you just want to get some information or what have you or maybe i you know we could put our heads together and put something together to you know to to present um you know obviously you know i coordinate through you of course you know here's you they know you and you clearly we talk you know several times a week <laughs> so that's that's a very easy way but no i'm happy to answer any questions that come up feel free to email me um you know i, I you know, I've got a smartphone, so I check my email pretty regularly. Um, yeah. And, you know, so if you're, you know, if you're, uh, if you have a need, you know, I, I'm reluctant to answer questions for somebody that's just, you know, maybe listening and just trying to do some shit in their backyard. 
But right. if you if you've got an official need, you know, I'm happy to I'm happy to help. You know? Well, and and uh, there's uh, two things that I think that are important to understand for the um, people out there. Like one, you have worked on developing a class. So if somebody wants, if there's a department that wants to hire you to come in and just do an awareness class on IEDs and explosives, that's certainly an option. And the other one is if you have a military base, one of the things that like local EOD units, if you can reach out to them. And yep. they are supposed to be able to come and do uh, like presentations on like yeah. their options, their responses. So these are all resources that people can can yeah. utilize as the, well. The EOD community is it's fantastic. Um, we're very much a brotherhood, like you guys are. Um, we, you know, I, I'm in several different EOD forums. So a lot of you know, if you're with a department and you actually. Uh, uh, most of these, you know, most of these guys are happy to do community outreach. So if maybe you want to set something up, if you're near like, you know, a base, you know, Fort Drum, Fort Stewart, or, well, I think they renamed it. I forget what the steward is now, but you get the idea. Um, if you're near, you know, a base, uh, I, I might be able to put a feeler out to you know, any of these forums and possibly even get a unit to come out there, you know, and maybe do some, uh, you know, maybe do some, uh, some training with you guys or, uh, like I said, I mean, we can put together a class, you know, for specific needs. Happy to do that. Um, or even if you just have like one-offs, you know, requests for information, like, hey, what, what about this? Um, something I didn't cover, I didn't think about. Um, you know, we can talk about it. Well, Chris, thank you. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, stick around for a minute once we're done here. But everybody, this is Rob, National Fire Radio with Christopher Morbido, retired United States Army. You retired as an E6? Yeah, yeah, I got it as a staff sergeant. I, staff uh, sergeant, okay. Fortunately, I got a, a little bit injured, so, uh, you know, I got broken. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, also a former New York State paramedic, National Registry, volunteer firefighter, your dad, uh, consumer of whiskeys, you know, fine and cheap, <laughs> and uh, bourbon. So, Chris, yeah. thank you for coming on today. I appreciate it, brother. Hey, it's my pleasure, man. I hope that uh, I hope your listeners got something out of it. Uh, you know, thanks for having me. Seriously, I appreciate it. Well, thank you, everybody. This is Rob, National Fire Radio. Stay safe out there. We'll talk to you later. 